Democrats and the media gang rape Brett Kavanaugh. President Trump gives a wonderful and hilarious press conference. Then Glenn Beck stops by. And finally, the mailbag. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Oh, what a day. What a day. First of all, welcome to my boudoir. I know that you, I often bring you into my boudoir on different ads. Uh, I'm here, obviously, in Pittsburgh. I'm giving a speech tonight at Franciscan University of Steubenville. And if you're, if you're in the neighborhood, you know, if you're walking around Steubenville, stop on by. We're going to be talking about the simple joys of being right. <laughs> so I'm on the road. We have so much to talk about. I have been glued to my screen all morning watching the stupidest miscarriage of justice that I have seen since Anita Hill. And I was only one year old when Anita Hill happens. So this is a real nice refresher. Before we get to any of that, let's make a little money, honey. How's that sound? And actually, let's talk about your money. Robinhood is a new sponsor, and we love new sponsors. And it's a sponsor that will make make all of us more money (laughs) in in the sense that you can invest your money. So Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, cryptos, all commission-free. Uh, They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. Simple and intuitive, clear design and data presented in an easy design way. I really like it. I should clarify. It's not that it will make you money. You got to make the money, but Robinhood makes it easy to do. Uh, I really like it. There are no cost, no commission fees. Other brokerages charge up to 10 bucks for every trade, but Robinhood does not charge commission fees. Uh, you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. You can learn it by doing. A lot of millennials are really stupid when it comes to investments. Inve- invest your money. Don't be a dummy. You, I mean, you've got to make your money work for you. Uh, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock this is pretty good. A free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S dot Robinhood dot com. Do it. You know, I've, I've had sort of providential financial success largely through the writing of blank books. Follow my lead. Go to Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S dot Robinhood dot com. It is uh, terrific and, uh, and I think you really enjoy it. Okay, so we got to get right into the news today. If you haven't been watching Lucky you. Oh, lucky you if you've missed out on some of the stupidest hearings ever. It, uh, so, so Christine Blasey Ford testified before uh, the Senate today, the Judiciary Committee. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh is set to testify, though I think that either that's happening right now or that's about to happen. I have not seen it yet. Uh, what have we had since, since last we spoke? We have now had people coming out. Uh, this new woman, Julie Swetnick, accusing Brett Kavanaugh Milk toast Federalist Judge Brett Kavanaugh of participating in gang rapes, of facilitating gang rape. Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, this woman, this new accuser, her ex-boyfriend filed a restraining order against her. Apparently, she's a total looney tune. Her lawyer is Michael Avenatti, so we know that she's a looney tune. She sued her previous uh, employer for sexual harassment using the law firm uh, run by Deborah Katz, who is also the lawyer for Christine Ford. Are you catching a theme here? Are you, are you sensing a pattern? All these people seem to be connected. I watched all of that uh, all of those testimonies earlier, Christine Ford, I saw it point by point. I won't subject you to the clips, um, but it's a total circus. The one thing that's come out of this, which is really shocking, is 
that we're actually seeing Lindsey Graham be just a hardline bad MFer. You know, I mean, this guy is really like Lindsey pulled through on the leather jacket, you know, got the brass knuckles on. Here is Senator Lindsey Graham reacting to Christine Ford's testimony today. When they say that she wasn't sure we were willing to go out there, that's a bunch of bull. I don't know what they told Ms. Ford, but we were willing to go to California. We were told she couldn't fly. All I can say is that we're 40-something days away from the election, and their goal, not Ms. Ford's goal, is to lay this past the midterms so they can win the Senate and never allow Trump to fill the seat. I believe that now more than ever. I don't know who paid for a polygraph, but somebody did, and here's what I'm I'm more convinced of. The friends on the other side set it up to be just the way it is. I feel ambushed as the majority. We're going to hear from Mr. Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh, and I've been a judge, a prosecutor, and a defense attorney, and here's what I'll tell you. When it comes to where it happened, I still don't know. I don't know when it happened. She said she's 100% certain it did happen. I bet you Judge Kavanaugh will say I'm 100% sure I didn't do it. The people named say they don't know what Ms. Ford's talking about. She can't tell us how she got home and how she got there. And thus, the facts I'm left with, a nice lady who has come forward to tell a hard story that's uncorroborated, and this is enough. God help anybody else that gets nominated. Based on what I heard today, you could not get a search warrant or an arrest warrant because you don't know the location, you don't know the time, and you don't have any corroboration. Yeah, you give it to him, Lindsay, you bulldog, bulldog Lindsey Graham. Here he is. He's absolutely right. Uh, from the beginning of her testimony onward, she got there. She said, she sat down. She said, oh, you know, after my uh, opening statement, I anticipate I'm going to need a little caffeine. So we're probably going to have to break. Uh, well, if you anticipated that, why didn't you bring a cup of coffee with you? Or better yet, have a cup of coffee before you sat down. Is it because you want the television coverage to only cover your statement and not cover up any of those pesky questions. Is that what happened? She's asked these questions. Her story has been changing. The Senate Judiciary Committee appointed a prosecutor to ask these questions because none of the men want to seem like they're angry and asking her questions. So they got this nice looking woman to ask the questions instead. She's changed her story, Christine Ford, at various points. She's, you know, uh, I don't know what happened to her. I didn't, something might have happened, maybe something didn't happen, but from this testimony, we cannot conclude that any of this is credible. I'll explain to you exactly why and why everyone believing her is really acting out of a misguided passion. Before I do that though, come on, it's a, we're talking about sex, you're in my bedroom, you're in my hotel room, let's talk about Purple Mattress. I love Purple Mattress. Purple Mattress has fixed an important aspect of my life. You know that I sleep 17, 18 hours a day. I really care about what I'm sleeping on. Purple Mattress is unlike any other mattress that you have ever tried that has ever been invented. It's not like the springs. It's not like the memory foam. I've tried both. This is better. This is a zillion times better. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, try Purple Mattress. Purple Mattress uh, was invented by an actual rocket scientist. It was designed by actual rocket scientists. And you know, I am easily satisfied by the best. I'm a man of simple tastes. This is so good. You get a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, return the mattress for a full refund, backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns. Feel what it's like to sleep in my bed. Feel what that, 
<laughs> I'm going to get me too'd for this. I'm going to get called before the Senate Judiciary Committee for this. Go, you're going to love purple. Go, you'll get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to all the other great gifts they have. It's seriously, this bed is unbelievable. Go do it. It is worth the money. It is 100% worth the money. It's always worth the money to have a good bed, but especially this one. Purple.com, promo code COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Purple.com, promo code COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. The only way to get this free pillow is to use my promo code. You know what it is? C-O-V-F-E-F-E at purple.com. It is not credible. These allegations that she's making are not credible. Why? Lindsey Graham said it. She didn't tell us the year. She can't tell us how she got there. She can't tell us how she left. She can't really tell us where it was. She can't tell us the circumstances. The people that she's named as having been there say they weren't there. They say that Brett Kavanaugh wasn't there. There is no corroborating evidence. Now, what the Democrats are trying to do is make a circus out of this and say, well, there was another accusation. They say, yeah, but that other accusation was from some total wackadoodle whose boyfriend got a restraining order right on her. He says, yeah, but it was another one. It's with all these accusations, you know, I mean, you know, accusations, right? I mean, that, no, I don't know what, are any of the accusations credible? Well, no, but no, but there's so many of them. Yeah, but they're all, if I, so if one crazy person tells me that, you know, the sky is about to rain down purple donuts, and, and then four other crazy people tell me the same thing. That doesn't mean the sky's going to rain down purple donuts. It means you've got a lot of unsubstantiated claims. That was an analogy I made on the fly. I don't know how much it totally holds up. Uh, but it, it doesn't mean that. It, just because you have a lot of people saying something, you need evidence to back that up. By the way, there were a few really important moments here. Uh, the prosecutor asked her, said, did you give your medical record, the medical record of you talking about this assault, the diary entry from the therapist. Did you give that to the Washington Post? And she and the lawyer jumps in. He said, "Oh, you don't know. Don't answer that. You don't have to answer that. Don't know. But no, no, no." And she says, "Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't." So what do you mean you don't know? So it turns out that Christine Ford's short-term memory is as bad as her long-term memory, because it's not like asking her what you had for lunch a dozen days ago or two weeks ago. It's asking her. The only piece of even quasi evidence, sort of resembling evidence that you have, that you, when you were talking to the Washington Post, did you hand that to them? And she says, I don't know. That was less than eight weeks ago that she would have done that. You don't remember less than two months ago? Really, really smells fishy. I don't know what she thinks. I don't know what she thinks happened or if she's mistaken or if she's lying or, or even if it really did happen. But we have no evidence for it. And what these people like Maisie Hirono, the senator, the Democrat senator from Hawaii, what they're saying is he's guilty until proven innocent. And a lot of people now are saying it's, uh, he's, he's too tarnished. He's not too tarnished. You're trying to tarnish him, but he's not too tarnished. And by the way, I got to tell you something. I, I was watching this on CNN this morning because I'm at a hotel room, you know, so I got CNN. The, if I watched CNN... I probably would believe that this guy is like a super Nazi rapist killer. I would. I actually empathize now because I had to watch CNN. I empathize with a lot of America. If you were getting your news from CNN, they had a whole panel and all they did after every little bit of testimony, they would just go one by one, Jake Tapper, whoever the other people are, say, oh, well, very credible testimony. Oh, yes, it was very credible. It was, you know, one thing that struck me about it, the credibility of it. Credible, 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 credible. Didn't seem credible to me didn't present any evidence. She contradicted herself several times. She actually admitted to changing aspects of her story. She appears to have contradicted the guy who gave her the polygraph test. She wouldn't answer questions about who she's met with. We know the lawyer comes from Diane Feinstein. We know it stinks to high heaven. 
Credible, 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 credible. Give me a break. Uh, and I got to tell you, uh, these moments, I, you know, I wish we're going to run out of time, but I do, I think Donald Trump explained this very, very well, because you've got these guys like Jeff Flake, who's saying, well, we need to hear them out. I won't vote. I these kind of fake, squishy, vishy Republicans. But uh, he had this great line in this press conference outside the UN where he talked about George Washington. He compared the the treatment of Brett Kavanaugh to the t- kind of treatment George Washington would get if he were if he were up for a job these days. Here he is. Look, if we brought George Washington here and we said we have George Washington, the Democrats would vote against him, just so you understand. And he may have had a bad past. Who knows? You know, he may have had some. I think accusations made. Didn't he have a couple of things in his past? George Washington would be voted against 100% by Schumer and the con artists. I mean, 100%, 100%. So it really doesn't matter from their standpoint. That's why when John asked about the FBI, if the FBI did the most thorough investigation in the history of the FBI and they found him to be 100% perfect, he would lose every single vote. Now, if the Republicans win tomorrow, I think you're going to get some votes. From the Democrats. You know why? Because we all know why. Because it's called politics. Then you'll probably get some votes. There it is. The honesty of the Donald. He's going out. He says, you know what it is? It's politics. That's what it is. Uh, We've got one other excellent point that he made because this press conference was the answer to his UN speech. He gave this stately incredible, erudite, sophisticated UN speech. Obviously, it was totally misreported in the media. So then he has to do what Trump does, which is give this wacky, zany, I think it was a 91-minute or 81-minute press conference where he goes all colorful and then he gets all of the coverage again. But there were some really great moments to it. Before we get to that, I one more, baby. One more, we're going to make a little bit more money, okay? And we're going to thank Software Advice. This will help you too. If you've ever started a business, if you're in a small business running your own, working for a small business, you need Software Advice. Lowercase letters and uppercase letters. It costs you time. It costs you money when you don't know the right software solutions. And and by the way, you could make the wrong choice, and that'll cost you a lot of money. Don't do it. When you're dealing with a real head scratcher, having your go-to person on call is a no-brainer. you got to use Software Advice. Their team of advisors will point you in the right direction. Uh, that you can start working more effectively right away at softwareadvice.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You answer a few short questions about your business, whether you're a medical professional, construction manager, HR pro, whatever, any small business, you it, this will work, whatever your, jo- whatever your business is. If you're an entrepreneur, you work solo, it's a great way to get an expert opinion. They are on call, uh, it's your go-to team, and you can figure out your business software needs for free. It's totally free. Start there. And the software struggle today, go to softwareadvice.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, softwareadvice.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to connect with an advisor for free. What's that address? You know it by now. Softwareadvice.com slash Knowles. Uh, this last bit, Trump was asked his opinion on what's going on with Pre- uh, Brett Kavanaugh today and a lot of other, you know, like the Dianne Feinstein, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, you know, ridiculous types would would play it up really sanctimoniously. Cory Booker right now is, is questioning um, questioning uh, the girl, Christine Ford, and they all, all the Democrats are opening their testimony. They say, I just want you to know this isn't a trial. And I just want you to know, I believe you. I believe you. And they all do it because they all, all this thing is about is getting clips for them for their 2020 campaign and clips for the midterm ads that they're going to run on it. Donald Trump, because he's a more honest broker than these guys, he just goes right for it. Uh, Here is President Trump on the hearings. I can only say that 
What they've done to this man is incredible. I think when you really look at it all, it's not going to change any of the Democrats' minds. They're obstructionists. They're actually con artists because they know how quality this man is, and they've destroyed a man's reputation, and they want to destroy it even more. And I think people are going to see that in the midterms, what they've done to this family, what they've done to these children, these beautiful children of his, and what they've done to his wife. And they know it's a big, fat con job. And they go into a room, and I guarantee you, they laugh like hell at what they pulled off on you and on the public. They laugh like hell. People are going to have to make a decision. 36 years, there's no charge. All of a sudden, the hearings are over, and the rumors start coming out. And then you have uh, this other con artist, Avenatti, come out with another beauty today. <laughs> He's got another beauty today. I love it. I mean, this, this is the Donald Trump that I think really resonates. If you showed the American people, you say, okay, a woman who for 36 years never mentioned anything, can't recall any of the details of the event, all the other people that were allegedly there deny it, uh, men and women, uh, you know, he, the guy's been a federal judge forever, six FBI investigations, now all of a sudden this comes out. What do you believe, that or do you have Donald Trump's take? It's a con job, it's obvious, it's transparent. Obviously, it's going to be the latter. We got to get to Glenn Beck. You know, I've got uh, Glenn Beck coming by for an interview. He's going to come to my hotel room. No, I'm just kidding. He's not coming. That would be that would be so weird. I could meet to him for that. Uh, I, we hung out with Glenn Beck back around the studio, and man, he told us he told me some stuff I actually did not know about him and had not heard going back 20 years. So it's pretty cool. Definitely check it out, and uh, we'll be right back after that with the mailbag. Glenn, thank you for being here. Really? Okay. All right. Thank you. No, I have to tell you, I only did that because I've been here all week. And mm -hmm. Michael, I don't know if you know this, but they treat you like garbage. They do. They do. I. And, uh, you, you didn't want to feel left out. You I did. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's just a habit, you know, hanging around with Ben. Mm -hmm. He just trashes you personally. I mean, it's not even Me, My family, yeah. my looks. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I was kind of, well, I was wondering, I figured now would be a good opportunity. Is, How's it looking at the blaze? Are, oh, they, are you guys hiring? I mean, you'd always you, be welcome. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't. He said he was going to call ice on you the other day. He said, <laughs> I thought he was going to call ISIS on me. I mean, he's like really got a vendetta out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know why he's got the vendetta? No. Well, you you can understand this because you and I are we're authors. Yeah, we're best-selling authors. Right, so right, right. I, it's because I wrote this book, this best-selling book. He's been the very upset. writing is brilliant. Thank you very much. You're very lucid, very clear. No, it's good. It's good, really. Good. Yeah, it's pithy. That's what I like about it. It's just it gets right to the mm -hmm. heart of it. Brevity is the soul of wit, mm -hmm. and so therefore I'm, I'm the wittiest guy. That's Even though it's written. 200 some pages, <laughs> it's very brief. Now you you have also come out with a book. Yours, <laughs> you made a different choice though. I, you, you put words in your I book. Put words, mm -hmm. I put words yeah. in mine. Addicted to outrage. I actually wrote this book twice. Did you? No, literally really? I did. I wrote it the first time, and I learned so much while I was writing it that by the time I got to the end, I was like, no, okay, that, that's all not right. <laughs> that's, that's too elementary. Wow. Uh, and so I went back and I rewrote the entire book, um, which was a little brutal. Was it? Was it just your thinking that changed your process, or was it something about the news or the, the no? It's it's my thinking. I, you know, it's been it's really strange because um, when I left Fox, uh, that was on a prompting. I mean, I went to I went to Billy Graham and talked to him about it, wow. and uh, Billy Graham said, 
I said, I'm leaving Fox and I wanted to talk to you about it. And he said, uh, that sounds like something I would do if I were the adversary, uh, convince you to leave Fox. And I said, uh, well, I don't think it was. I think it's prompting uh, from Lord. And he said, tell me about it. And so we sat and talked. We were supposed to spend about 20 minutes. We ended up spending about five hours together. Um, and um, he, in the end, agreed with me in my thinking. Um, but I knew that I had done my best mm -hmm. and I believed in what I said. Um, but the country was spiraling out of control. And was that, that's what convinced Billy Graham, uh, to convince Billy Graham of something, that's, that's a... Yeah, it, no I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, yeah. but it was, it was spiritual in nature and it was about reconciliation. Mm. And um, um, he said, you know, reluctantly, I, I, okay, I think you're right. And... Um, because I, I was very upset. When that show, I loved that show. Thank I you. watched I loved it. Doing I loved it show. all the time. That it was, was so on, fun. It was on when I was in college. Mm -hmm. We we would insist on having your show on all the time. Fox was on a lot, but we would sit around the TV in it the common fun. room. Yeah, it, it was, was a great show. Fun. Yeah, it was. Um, it scared the crap out of Fox because it was it was ad lib. Right. And we would turn in a script every day. Uh, and they would pour over it mm -hmm. and then I'd get in and I'd say, um, yeah, turn off the teleprompters. And, <laughs> you know, so they, they were just freaked out. I had everybody, I mean, I had the, I know, cause I know people at the white house. I had people at the white house, senior watching every episode. We right. had media matters watching episode. We had everyone watching every episode going What's Good he God, do? what is he going to do today? What's he going to do? It's kind it of an great. early, an early uh, understanding of podcasts, right? Because when you go on to, uh, even if I'll go on Fox and Friends for a three-second hit mm -hmm. and everything bulleted, it's laid out, the chirons, mm -hmm. everything's really set. Podcasts, though, I mean, we don't have a script. You'll might you notice mm -hmm. <laughs> there are mm -hmm. no no papers here. Yeah, and it's and it was, um, you know, it was just speaking from the heart and just and just laying it out and not caring, mm -hmm. um, you know, caring that we did a good job and that we got it right. But I don't, I, I mean, I, you know, uh, what, what I loved about that show and all of your work is it wasn't, it wasn't talking points. It, you would bring in history, you would bring in yeah. what, everything and, and you had fun with it. I mean, it was, I, fun isn't a what? dirty word for conservatives or it shouldn't be. When, when September 11th happened, I had no idea. I mean, I had just signed a deal with um, uh, with Premier, and but I wasn't national yet, mm -hmm. and I was supposed to start January two thousand two. Excuse me, and I had just signed the deal in August, and um, and what I was doing was a parody of talk radio. It wasn't serious. <laughs> <Right>. Okay, <laughs> um, most people don't know this, but I mean, I used to, you know, I used to do 40, 40 nights on the road with comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, uh, and so when September 11th happened, they called me and said, we need you on the air now nationally. And honestly, Michael, I spent, I spent about three days solid beforehand on my knees going, I'm the wrong guy, Lord. What am I doing? I, I don't Why know. are you making me do this? I don't know any of this stuff. Okay. I mean, I paid attention somewhat, mm -hmm. 
um, you know, when I was in New York in, uh, at WABC in 98 or 99, I remember um, we bombed an aspirin factory. I'm not sure what the date was, but mm-hmm. Clinton built bombed this aspirin Because he needed factory. to get Lewinsky out of the headlines. That's what everybody said. And I got, I was on the air that day and I had done my homework. Yeah. He was going after a guy that nobody had ever heard of. And I started doing my research on him. And I said, okay, I know everybody thinks he's trying to get, but I want you to listen to this guy. And I read all of his words and he was coming to New York and he was going to kill us. And, um, the phones blew up. Everybody's saying, you're just love Clinton. I'm like, I don't like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Have you met me? Yeah. Have you met me? I don't like Clinton. No, it's not his policies. I'm telling you, he's right on this one. And, uh, um, I remember saying on the air, within 10 years in this city, mm-hmm. buildings, bodies, and blood in the street, and it'll have this man's name on it. I forgot about that until September 11th. The name was Osama bin Laden. Wow. And uh, all you have to do is take people seriously and, and read. So I had done some, but not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody called me up and said, where do you stand on, you know, the the Israelis and the Palestinians? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, beats me. I don't know. I mean, as far as I was concerned at that time, I don't know. The whole thing could go into a sinkhole. They're never, <laughs> they're never gonna solve it. Yeah, right. They've been battling forever. <laughs> I've got the answer. Right. I've got the answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shh, just don't talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had no idea. And all of a sudden, this big burden of responsibility, um, you know, Ezekiel. Um, 33 um, comes, I think it's 33, 37, 33, um, where he says, you know, I will place watchmen on the, on the towers, on Mm -hmm. the gates. And if that watchman sees trouble coming and doesn't blow his trumpet, the blood on everyone that could have been rescued is on his hand. Mm -hmm. Well, that's millions for me. And if I really, truly believed it, I, I had to say it. So when I got to Fox, I wanted to say it because I knew that nobody wanted to eat that because I had just gone through 2008. Right. And uh, man, I lost stations and money and everything else because wow. 2006, I was saying financial crisis could collapse the entire com- uh, economy, mm-hmm. could collapse the European co- economy because this is all bogus. I don't even know how it works. And you know, at the time, I was up reading about the freaking money supply on a prompting. I got so mad at God. I'm reading about the M1, M2, M3 money supply. Mm -hmm. And it's like 2006 and I'm in bed. It's at three o'clock and I'm reading this, trying to understand it. And I, (laughs) I I kind of have kind of an Israel, you know, relationship. Yeah, a little association. Yeah, a a little little struggle with him. And uh, and I I remember and I told the the book aside. Said, like, get off me. I'm never going to need this. I don't know what you're making me read this for. And, uh, and then the economy collapses and Barack Obama gets in and Roger Ailes had been yeah. courting me for a while. And I kept saying no, and I didn't want to do cable news, but I knew then that it was, it was kind of too divine to be mm-hmm. that, that, platform to be available. Right. And uh, so I, I signed a deal for two years and um, decided to 
entertain the folk. A, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. That's, and that point is, so, I think it's really lost on people. And maybe it was lost in, to some people in the Fox audience. Because if you go out, if you use a little humor, if you go out and have a little, I've been using a little kofefe, you know. <laughs> they, uh, if you have a little bit of that, and then you get some eyeballs and you get a real message through. As long as you don't violate the principles. My, right. my problem was, in some ways, the press um, and the fact that John Stewart, now this is a really delicate um, line that I don't see there's a difference, mm -hmm. but I think others do. Uh, John Stewart did, with a whole bunch of writers, what I was doing every day for an hour right. with one. Right. Uh, and uh, it's just the difference was I was on a news channel. He was on the comedy channel. Mm -hmm. Now, I contend if I did it on the comedy channel, they still wouldn't have been okay with it. Well, certainly they wouldn't have hired you also. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it, do, it doesn't matter. But that's that was the excuse mm -hmm. that it was um, mocking, you know, the news. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's true. I mean, you know when, you know that an industry, it's it literally, if you look back, when someone comes to the inside mm -hmm. and mocks it and ridicules it from the inside, it's over. Right. Uh, and I, th I think I was the sign that <laughs> news is over. <laughs> it was over. And it, it ushered in this totally different world. I mean, we are in a totally different world now. M no millennial I know has cable. They don't even pay for cable. No. It is all internet. It's all new media. It's all podcasts, Netflix, whatever, streaming. I I'm not doing any uh, mainstream media for this book. You're this not going on time. TV? Or nope. Not He'll sell more copies. No, because you know what? Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan to me was the, I said this a couple of weeks ago when uh, Elon Musk was on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the stock market goes down. Now, I, I, I'm, I put in my calendar Rogan, Elon Musk. I don't want to miss it. Right. Okay. That exactly. morning, well, you, and you brought uh, that that great little bong the other day. Yeah, so I don't know you what you're talking about. So, so um, but, uh, so he's on with Rogan and the stock market goes down. Yeah. And I'll bet you 60% of the people in the media industry had no idea. Right. And a good portion of that didn't even know who Joe Rogan was. Mm -hmm. And a portion of that didn't know what a podcast was. Right. They're just so arrogant, out of touch. It's over. It's over. That's right. That's so Glenn, the, you know, you get knocked for catastrophizing. You get, but the trouble is that you're often right about the catastrophes that you're seeing. So Give me a happy note. Give me something here. Do you see... Happy? Uh, <laughs> do you see... I'm an it, optimistic catastrophist. <laughs> and uh, there's, there must be a, like a Gilbert and Sullivan song. There's an yes. optimistic catastrophist. It, this, this seems like a good thing to me. The new media, at least this part, the new media allow conservatives especially to get our message out there unvarnished, undistorted, unperverted. You're you're selling books on new media because that's where the eyeballs are. People are tuning out of CNN. They're tuning so, out. So I absolutely agree with you, but it, it requires us, and, it, and I urge you to read the book, sincerely. Yes. You, I will, you gave you will me a copy yesterday. Yeah. I look forward to it. You will enjoy it. And, and because it talks about what's happened to us, why it's happened to us, mm -hmm. and what's happening right now is uh, the, the uh, postmodernists. They are changing, the, they're changing everything because they have since 
the Paris riots in the 60s and 70s, they realized they could not take the Western uh, world and destroy it just through culture. Mm -hmm. um, and they learned it in the 60s. So they came back and they looked at postmodernism and said, okay, how do we make this to destroy the West entirely, all of it, bring it down at the same time, so then you're free to start Marxism or a new again. whatever you want. Some people okay. see things that never were and ask, why not? Why Correct. Not? So um, if, you, if you understand that, then you can start to change your argument because the more you throw it back mm -hmm. in anger, the f you're throwing accelerant on the fire. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think they're going to scare a lot of people that don't want to lose capitalism, you know, on the left too. Right. I know a lot of people that vote differently than me that don't want to lose capitalism. Capitalism's been pretty good to us. It's been pretty darn sweet. The problem is we are up against the clock now. I think our economy is, it's a matter of time before that comes uh, apart. I'm hoping that it keeps lasting as long as it can. Um, you have Russia. Nobody's paying attention to a guy named Alexander Dugan. Mm -hmm. and Everyone your age should be paying attention to him because he is targeting people like you. Um, and uh, uh, it's a very dangerous philosophy. You have the Middle East, and worst of all, you have tech. You have high tech, which is starting um, a time bomb mm -hmm. in one. Uh, and And also, as they start that time bomb, they are gathering more and more information, which is more and more power, information right. and knowledge is power, uh, and and then doing strange things like working with the Chinese, who are literally turning that Targeting into a police their people. state. That's right. Yeah, it's 1984. It's, right. you know, it's horrible um, what's coming there. We have to remain Americans, remain calm, find as many like-minded people that want to live in capitalism and freedom and understand the Bill of Rights. I don't care who you voted for in the past. I don't care. I don't care what you've done in the past. Well, I mean, unless you're Brett Kavanaugh. Unless you're Brett Kavanaugh. Unless that's that, a whole yeah, different you're story. You're out. Ring, yeah. Hang him up by his neck. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll Get hang him. him. But, um, uh, but let's start looking to the future. And if we, if we hold together and we begin to talk about the ethical uses uh, of technology, we're going to enter a time that will be, will have freedom beyond any of our expectations. The world in the next 10 years is going to change so dramatically that 10 years from now, you'll watch this and it will feel like watching I Love Lucy. Seriously. Well, that, that is a happy note to end on. And it does remind me that you are truly the master broadcaster because that is the greatest possible segue I have ever heard for the ethical use of technology to go over and subscribe at dailywire.com. Glenn, <laughs> thank you very much for being here. Thank you. And once Thanks. Shapiro finally should, runs I mean, me out of town on a rail. Oh, he's going to do well, it. Well, then I'll he be able to go to Texas. I'm only telling you this as a friend of yours and his, what he says privately about you just, is It is horrible. profane, pornographic, oh, vulgar. No. I, I say to him, you're orthodox, really? <laughs> And he just goes off. Ben, I didn't even know that was a word. Yeah. I can't, that mental yeah. image that I, well, thank you for telling me. You I bet. appreciate it. You bet. In the privacy of our own Yeah, I mean, show. we're not on the air now, are we? No, well, no, I'm sure yeah, they okay, must have cut good. this, right? You've seen the Did you cut it? <laughs> Did you Wait, cut? what? <laughs>
<laughs> Glenn, thanks for being Thank here. Thank you. All you right, bet. I'll see thanks, you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Glenn, get out of my hotel room. So I have, that whole time that we've been airing that, I have been watching the live testimony of Judge Kavanaugh. It was stunning. I, I, we, we came for the drama. We got the drama. I will be going over some immediate reactions to that right now. It was really something else. Before we do, plus we're going to have the mailbag, by the way. We're going to have to fit a lot of that in. Maybe we'll have to do a little mailbag tomorrow. Um, but before we do that, I have got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Sorry, guys. Go to Daily Wire. If you're at dailywire.com, thank you very much. You help us keep the lights on. You keep Covfefe in my cup. Usually, right now, I've just got like a hotel room coffee, but usually I have a leftist tears tumbler, which is really what you need to sign up for. You get all the shows, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, me. You get to ask questions, the mailbag, blah, 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 blah. You're going to need the leftist tears tumbler for when Judge Kavanaugh gets confirmed the Supreme Court. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back. Okay. Okay. So we've got some immediate uh, reactions to this. I had it on. the, The TV is right over here. I was watching that live testimony. Judge Kavanaugh, there was some debate among analysts earlier. Is Kavanaugh going to come and you know, be very staid and quiet and judicial and let it go? Or is he going to bring it? Is he going to defend his reputation and fight back? He fought back. Oh my goodness. He punched back. He talked about how unfair it was. He he hit them hard. He brought, he had calendars from the damn summer. Where did he find these calendars? I, he talked about it. He said, oh, my father kept all the calendars. From like the 70s, which is, by the way, all, all, all nature is but art unknown to thee, a divine providential strike of luck. It, it was really incredible. And it, by the way, it was convincing. It, it, it was, I mean, at this point, if Judge Kavanaugh is lying, this guy is one hell of a psychopath. It was, he, he looked like a man who was wrongly accused. It looked like the Crucible, you know, John Proctor in the Crucible or something. Uh, really it was a stunning testimony. I, I, I want to really analyze this when we've got video because it's still going on right now. So we're going to get to that more tomorrow, but a stunning performance. My takeaway is all in all, uh, Christine Ford did uh, fine. She didn't, she didn't do bad. She did contradict herself a little bit. She did seem a little kind of one minute she was kind of laughing and then the next she was really serious and shaky voice. It was a little weird, um, but it was fine. It wasn't, it actually wasn't bad. She sort of did well by her and her Democrat friends. But Kavanaugh did really, really well. He did really well. So obviously, if there's any justice in the world, you give it to Kavanaugh. You can, I mean, there's no, no evidence at all. Um, he called it, he called the, the Sweatnik allegations that he was running a gang rape syndicate. He called it a farce and a joke. It was really excellent excellent stuff. I'm going to vote for this guy for president. I don't know what it is in the last couple of years that Republicans have grown a backbone, but I'm really pleased to see it. This is really good. We can't let them do this. If we let them get rid of Kavanaugh, Who's left? Who, who goes up? Who goes up to the Supreme Court? The guy is virtually perfect. He's got this unimpeachable record. And if, if you can't get him through, who do you get through? It, we can't let them do it. Uh, really good stuff. Okay, we've got to get to the mailbag. I probably only have about five minutes left, but c'est la vie. We'll do it. Uh, first question from Madeline. Hi, Michael. I used to identify with liberals in my college days, but my views have since swung to the right since my mid-twenties. While I strongly agree with almost everything the left does, I don't think that everyone who identifies with the left is a bad person. I think many on the left are coming from a place of genuine compassion for others. With that said, who do you believe is strategically behind the evil ideologies and, and policies 
that are supported by the left. Yeah, I don't think that many, or, or certainly not most, and probably even I don't think very many lefties are bad people. I think that they're uh, misguided or overly emotional or, or wrongheaded. G.K. Chesterton put it very well when he was talking about his friend George Bernard Shaw. He said that it's not that Shaw doesn't have a heart. He's got a very big heart. It's just a heart in the wrong place. And I think lefties' hearts are in the wrong place. They're progressive, so they're progressing toward utopia. The idea is that mankind is perfectible. We're con- there's an obvious progress that we're going toward. And uh, so therefore, if you stand in the way of progress, if you stand athwart history yelling stop, if you're a conservative, then you are either very stupid or evil. You have bad intentions. And for smart conservatives, for conservatives who can even string a few words together, it's not the former, so it has to be the latter. That's why they impugn our, our ideas, but, they, but we don't really impugn or they, they impugn our motives, but we don't really impugn their motives. And so that's the ideology. I mean, who's behind the ideology? N- name your pick. Karl Marx, Nietzsche, I don't know. Uh, it's bad ideas. Bad ideas are behind it. And, you know, the devil's behind it. it when you f- trace bad ideas back far enough, you get to the devil. But it's, I think it's caused by pride. And it's no coincidence that the left embraces pride all over. Not just gay pride, but all, you know, fat pride, thin pride, racial pride. Not white pride, obviously, but other racial prides, you know, a lot of pride. Uh, That's where it comes from. From Seth. Hi, Michael. I've been watching the Kavanaugh confirmation process as closely as most. Something's bothering me. Clearly, the Democrats are doing whatever they can to delay his confirmation with the hope of retaking the Senate in November, stalling it indefinitely. My question, isn't it hypocritical for Senate Republicans to complain, complain about these blatant political tactics, considering that in 2016, they, they did virtually the same thing in delaying Merrick Garland's confirmation. One thing that has driven me crazy about the modern American left is its inconsistency in ideology and approach to issues. So when so-called conservatives have engaged in similar behavior, it's troubling. Thanks and keep up the good work. Thank you for the question, Seth, but you are totally wrong. I'm sorry to say. Totally wrong. Uh, Yeah, it's true. Republicans politically stalled Merrick Garland's nomination. We knew it. We knew we could do it. We knew that the election was going to decide it. So we just stalled it forever. What we didn't do is call him a rapist crime syndicate mob don who just goes around raping women from 36 years ago. We didn't do that at all. We just delayed it like civilized human beings, like people who aren't wicked little hysterical child monsters. But what they have done, what the left has done here is based on nothing, nothing. They have tried to ruin a good man's reputation with no evidence. If they had any evidence whatsoever, if they had any corroboration, then maybe you could consider it. But there's no corroboration. There's nothing. Actually, the people who would be called on to corroborate it deny that any of it ever happened. That have been called on by the accuser. It's total nonsense. And it's really, really wicked. And look, if they had just said, we're not going to, we're not going to confirm Kavanaugh, fine, but they couldn't get away with that because they don't have the votes. I mean, that's one, that's politics. Politics is a blood sport. But what they've done to this man is purely wicked. For how much more time do I have? I can probably do one or two more, right? From Samuel. Dear Michael, I have a moral question regarding hacking. I've learned a way to observe other people's network activity via packet sniffing. My question is this. Is it moral to spy on another person if they leave tier information unprotected to spy on their computer searches? I don't know. Is it moral to spy on someone if they leave their bathroom window open? Do you think that's moral? So you see a cute little girl in the shower and you look through a window. What are you, Brett Kavanaugh? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a very heated subject today. Um, 
It, well, it depends on what the spying is. If you're spying on some bad guy to achieve a certain good uh, who's doing something illegitimate or something criminal, then I suppose it's fine, especially if you're a civil authority. But if you're just spying because you're a little curious, yeah, that's not fine at all. It's no better than being a peeping Tom in someone's bathroom window. Can I do one more? I want to do one more. I'm going to do one more. From Sean. Hello, Michael. Love the show. I just had a question regarding all of these claims of sex allegations. Listening to people like you, Ben, Andrew, Matt, Crowder, and Levin help keep me sane. I'm not the only person wanting evidence. I just want to ask why colleges are canceling classes and leftist mobs surrounding uh, Ted Cruz over allegations when these same people are doing nothing over the allegations of Keith Ellison that has police reports and medical evidence of his abuse of his ex-girlfriend. Because they don't care. Because they don't care about rape and they don't care about sexual assault. They did this to George Will when he was uh, contradicting the reigning orthodoxy and ideology about sexual abuse on college campuses. And they said, you don't take it seriously, a bunch of idiot senators, like, including Liz Warren, I think. And his response was perfectly right, which is that he said, I think that I take sexual assault much more seriously than you do because he's unwilling to make a political circus out of it, because he's unwilling to use it as a cudgel against people that he happens not to like, because he's unwilling to use it as a wedge to affect a certain political agenda. And that's exactly what these Democrats are doing today. It's disgusting. Uh, it, it offers no advantage or consolation to victims of rape and sexual assault, it trivializes it. They do this on campus when they try to take sexual assault out of courtrooms and put it into campus tribunals. Obviously, it tramples on the rights of the accused, the rights to due process, but it, it tramples on the, it, it diminishes the crime itself because rape is a serious crime. It should be taken very seriously. It should not be tried by a bunch of bumbling professors or doddering Democrats trying to angle themselves for 2020 campaigns uh, in a kangaroo court circus before the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's a real crime and it should be taken seriously. And if you're not going to take it seriously, that's my show. I'm a little angry about these Kavanaugh things. I will be tonight at the uh, Kavanaugh, uh, or at the Kavanaugh, at the Franciscan University of Steubenville. So we're going to be talking about the simple joys of being right. I'll be able to channel all of my frustration into an uh, understanding of the joys of being conservative. And we got other speeches coming up too, October 24th, October 25th. We'll release more information about that soon. In the meantime, we're going to have to get to more mailbag tomorrow. That's just the way it is. Too bad. Uh, in the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you either tonight or tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.